Facebook moments or whatever those things pop up your timeline. From 10 years ago this week, uh, I was sitting on the stage. We were having a convention. You guys were sitting right behind me. And uh, so it was a beautiful picture of you guys. Uh, not so much of me, but, you know, it was one of those things. I said, man, then they're going to be here this week. That was great. And uh, 10 years ago, we were, we were sharing this stage uh, together as we are today. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, we've known them for so many years and just a tremendous uh, work that God has done there in Melksham and uh, that kind of that country town there they live in so beautiful and um, they're from a little, a little kind of a, an island uh, off the in, in the Atlantic just off the coast of Holland there and uh, and from England and so we we just love them so much and I wonder today if we could just stand on our feet in honor pastors John and Sharon Firth that they come to share the word today come on Please be seated. It is so good to be here. As Brother Matt said, we've been around, for those of you who haven't met us before, a long time. We came uh, to the Door Fellowship, as it was then in 1990, which is a long time ago now. And we left in 1998. We were sent out from this house to pastor a church in England. And um, our good friend and brother Stan Jacobs, who's right over there, came with us, and we um, just sought the Lord to see what he had for us, and we ended up, this very long story, and I won't tell it now, but we ended up in Melksham, as Brother Matt said, and um, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. And last time we were here was just before the lockdown in March 2020, and we were privileged to see the outreach center, but you'd just begun. And I can't wait to see now because I know that it's come on a long way since then. And just as you were talking about Samaritan's person, the need to reach out with both uh, deed and the gospel, I know that that was the pastor uh, Matt and Pastor Rachel's heart to be able to do that in this community, and I know that it's happening. And God has opened up something for us on a much smaller scale in our town over the last year that we have, for the first time, we were renting uh, a room on a weekly basis for most of, the, well, all of the time we've been in Melksham until last year when God just opened up for us a small building that we can use all the time. And in less than a year, so I guess it's November. Yes, November. I, I, I thought he was there, but he's <laughs> where is he? <laughs> he's left me. Um, in less than a year, God has just done so much. Pretty much every day of the week, there are things going on there. Um, not all of it sort of organized by the church, but we are having an impact, or the gospel is having an impact in a way that we've never been able to, to have before, just for having a physical presence right there. Um, there's a drop-in that's happening every Tuesday morning that has just become a haven for people who are lonely and um, isolated, and they come in, and it's been a huge ministry opportunity for some of our people, especially some of the older ladies who were lonely too and just really needed to see what God had for their lives and it's given them such a purpose to be able to minister at this drop-in so it's like a two-way thing isn't it you know it's like as we minister we're fulfilled and we see what God has for us but we also impact our community with the gospel um, we were asked to do a bereavement class for a few people back in, I guess we started that about November last year, so coming up to a year. 
um, there was a lady in our church who'd lost her husband during COVID, and he'd been in a nursing home, so she hadn't been able to be with him or visit him, and she was having such a hard time getting over it. And uh, we came across through a, a friend uh, this bereavement course, which is from the church the Alpha course comes from, which I know some of you will be familiar with. And uh, we started this first class with for this lady, and we asked the other churches in our town if they had anyone who might benefit from coming. And so the first course we did was just people from churches. But it helped them so much that they recommended it to others, and we ended up doing another one on the back of that. Uh, we've done five now in the last year, and the doctor's offices are sending people along. So no longer, we're just, we have a waiting list. There's people being recommended it through the doctor's course. And it's not an explicitly Christian course, though the last session is about faith, but it's giving us an opportunity to be able to share with people in our place. So we want to, and there's lots more going on besides, as I say, every day of the week, there's something going on there, which is, is just such a blessing to be a part of. So we want to thank you guys for your prayers and your support over the years. You know, we would not be able to do this without knowing that uh, you guys are praying for us and with us. So we just thank you for that so, so much. So I'll hand over to John now. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it's so good to be here, so good to be together, and uh, just the, the joy of, you know, did you not sense like the rain of the Holy Spirit coming as we're worshiping? Yeah? Come on, you can say yes, come on. And you take your while to tune into my foreign language that I'm speaking, but it's English. And just looking out, actually, just thinking how many of you haven't aged at all. And then I realize I'm looking at your kids. <laughs> it's just such a joy to be here. And just as Sharon says, it's just amazing what the Lord's done in amongst us in this last year. And I really have to say that it was going around the beginnings of the outreach center that allowed my mind to shift a gear to be able to do things in the community like we have been doing. What Sharon didn't mention is the other thing that we're doing, which has become a major part of our lives, is working with Ukrainian refugees. We have uh, four, uh, two moms and two teenage um, kids, a boy and a girl, teenagers living with us. And uh, we have probably, what, 80 or 90 in our town, 1,500 uh, Ukrainian refugees living in our county, uh, 150,000 in our country, and uh, you know it's just been an opportunity to um, some challenges. When Russian is the main language at our dinner table, it is interesting in our house. <laughs> I know I don't know a single word of it still, but as we were sensing, like. Did, it, did anyone sense it like the rain of the Holy Spirit coming down as you're worshiping? You know what I mean? You're, just, you're there and it feels like the rain is coming. And that rain just touches you and touches your heart and just, oh, I mean, I'm right, answer. It's just not, not me. I mean, you actually sense something when you're worshiping. God, praise God. 
But Scripture actually talks about something very different. It speaks about there is a flow of the Holy Spirit coming right out of your belly. Has anyone got a belly or is that only English? Amen? From deep within you, there is a flow of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in you. Listen to these couple of verses. And I'm reading them out of a version that you're probably not familiar with. It's called the Truth Version that was done by a, a, a brother called Colin Urquhart several years ago. And uh, I, I know um, Matt and Rachel will be familiar with Colin and, and uh, the, the family of, um, of, that, of the Kingdom Faith Churches in Britain. So listen to this. We can be certain that we continue to live in Him and that He continues to live in us because we have His Spirit living in us. And a couple of verses on. God is love. So if love is your way of life, it is clear that you live in God and that He lives in you. That's 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 and 16. Amen? Who here has the Holy Spirit living in you? Amen? Seven of you. Well, afterwards, there's going to be an appeal, and you're welcome to come and get saved. Amen? Who here has the Holy Spirit living in you? Amen? And actually, it tells us in Colossians 2.9 that we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. Amen? Who here has the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in them? Amen? Who feels like you've got the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in you? I only got three hands for that one. Thanks, Sister Bonnie. And actually, that's what I want to talk about today. Because for years, I've known that as a fact. But that camera's going to have to work hard, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's been like a fact, but somehow it's not always made sense. I mean, you can be honest today, because you usually find that when I'm talking, I try to be as honest as I can be. And one day, I had a bit of a picture that's helped me understand how I can have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in me and actually still be me. Does that make sense? Now let's realize what happens. We were dead in our transgressions. We were dead in the uncircumcision of our sinful nature, and God made me and you alive with Christ, and He forgave mine and your trespasses. Amen? That's a great start. The implications of this, that our spirit became alive. It was dead. Dead. You know, it wasn't just poorly. It wasn't just it's not very good today. Our spirit was dead and he made it alive. 
And when he made it alive, do you know what it was for? It was for him to reside in. He said, I am coming to live in you. That's good. Tell me that's good. It's good. Praise God. He said, this is the habitation. You, your spirit is the habitation of Jesus Christ. And he didn't say, I'm giving you a little bit of me. You know, who here has ever thought, I've, I've only got a, a little bit of Jesus, because look at me, I've only got a little bit. Who here has even thought, I've only got, a, a, the spirit in me must be pretty weak, because look at me. Well, should do it like Brother Joe did. No. Oh, no, 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 no. They come flashing up on the screen behind you. All right. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. We have that. And yet, my experience tells me that I don't always live like that. God, there's four of us that have not quite made it. The rest of you, well, that's... The thing is that I think we all know that the presence of God cannot handle anything that is unholy. The presence of God cannot handle anything and will not tolerate anything that is evil or soulish. Does that right? So have you ever had the problem of how can the thing that is the most holiest thing in the universe reside in me? Yeah? None of you have had that. Well, I've had that trouble because I know that I'm not always perfect. And a couple of years ago, we were having our deck replaced. Now, our deck is one that goes along the ground to keep your feet off the, off the soil. And when they were putting that in, they put in a membrane. Does anyone know what a membrane is? Is that an English word? Right? It's a, a piece of plastic that will let the water through that way, and the weeds can't come the other way. In fact, there's lots of membranes that let things go one way, but nothing can go the other way. And I suddenly saw this picture of my own life of that the Spirit that was raised in me with Christ is full of the fullness, the complete fullness of Christ. The fullness of God dwells in Christ, and He dwells in me, Therefore, his fullness dwells in me. And I saw that it's like a membrane between my spirit and my soul. That the flow of the Holy Spirit can go through into my soul, changing me from the inside out. Out of my belly can flow the rivers of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? None of me can touch 
and defile the Holy Spirit. It was just a sudden release after so many years of working. I need pictures. I'm a picture man. Sharon will tell you there's pictures everywhere of me trying to understand things. And this membrane just became such a release to me because at last I could fully understand that my spirit could be 100% full of the glory of God. And that is flowing into my soul. And as it flows into my soul, it transforms my soul. It changes me from the inside out. But then, every now and again, I realize that I'm still not perfect. Sharon will point this out 12 or 20 days. She's, she's close enough to know that even though he's nearly perfect, <laughs> he isn't quite. And I thought, well, if I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, how is it that I'm not perfect in my life? And my picture, and it is a picture, it's not a theology, it's just simply a picture to help me understand, and I'm hoping it'll help you understand that when you have a membrane, that things can flow one way and the dirt cannot flow the other way, that sometimes the membrane can get full and covered in slime, stopping the flow. And when I saw that, I thought, I need to clean the membrane. I need to clean the membrane. Because I know that nothing unholy can touch the Holy Spirit. And, but feeling and sensing Him wanting to fill me, to touch me, to change me, He also wants to touch and feel and change you. And I realized, I know that the flow of that Holy Spirit is going to fill me with His righteousness. My soul is going to be touched with His righteousness. The flow of the Holy Spirit into my life is making me holy. The flow of the Holy Spirit is redeeming my life. Amen? He's doing all of those things. And yet when my membrane gets dirty, the flow slows and stops. Have any of you ever sensed that I know the Holy Spirit is living in me, but I'm not seeing I'm not living the life that I should be living. Praise God, they're so holy here. It's wonderful. Brother Matt, you have such a place where everybody is walking in fullness in every aspect. 
Oh, that is so good. That must make the counseling room so empty. That is so, so good. <laughs> so what do we do if our membrane is dirty? What is it that dirties the membrane? How about pride? Oh, I've got a smear of pride on the membrane. You know what? The Holy Spirit's flow is going to get restricted. Aggression. I know no one ever has any aggression when you're driving your car in this country. Everyone always smiles and just waves and says, please go. You know, those four-way stops and you just stay there forever because you just want everybody else to go first. That car that doesn't move out of the way or then that one that comes and steals you up, you would never fall to aggression. Good job too because aggression is going to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Fear. Fear is the absolute enemy of the very hope that's within us. When we are walking in fear, we are not walking in faith. When we allow fear to determine how we live, the membrane is going to get smeared and dirty, and the flow of the Holy Spirit is going to be reduced. This is one that none of you have ever had. Selfishness. Anyone? No, you see? You're all so sweet that none of you have ever had a selfish act amongst them. You know, this, what a place. Everything that we do for ourselves, our selfish nature, smears up that membrane and stops the flow of the Holy Spirit into my life. So what do we do? Praise God. He made it so simple. Repent. 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 I know it's a dirty word these days, but actually it's what we need to do. We come before Him and say, Lord, Please forgive me for the way that I have put myself above you. Please forgive me for the way that I have been so proud of my intellect, and my thinking, my way, my politics, everything, that I've made them more important than you. Please forgive me that in each of these things I have stopped the flow of the Holy Spirit coming into my life, into my soul, and into my mind, and into my body, and redeeming me. Jesus has paid the price. We sang some awesome songs this morning. Anybody else sing those awesome songs? You know... <laughs> It was there in black and white and blue and green and whatever other colors were up there. 
He paid the price on the cross for my sin, not just once, but forever. When we come to His cross, isn't it awesome? We need a cleaning agent for that, that membrane. I don't know what yours are called. Flash. Do you have flash? Ajax. Any of those? You must have a cleaning agent. Clorox. Clorox. Yes. Praise God. Clorox. Other versions are available. We have a cleaning agent that is better. It's the blood of Jesus applied to that membrane. Cleanses it. So the flow of the Holy Spirit can come into my life, changing me from the inside. Praise God. Have you ever wondered how long it takes for that membrane to be cleaned? Several years, penance, walking on broken glass, climbing upstairs on your knees, all those things. Instantly, instantly, the moment that we repent and turn from our sin, He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses our membrane, and the Holy Spirit begins to flow from our very belly into our lives again. You know, I just want to say at this point that I know for me, I can know that as a fact. The moment I repent, it is cleansed. But there's something in here that says, but you don't understand how bad I was. You don't understand how many times I do that. We need to say, I believe what he has said. He said that I have cleansed you. I have taken away your sin. We are saying my experience is bigger than the Word. You know, you'd never want to say that, would you? But it's every time that we don't believe what He said. Every time we try and rationalize what the Word of God is saying, we say my experience is bigger. You know, that's one of those things that we need to say, Lord, please forgive me for putting myself above you. He is... I don't know if you know how much God loves you and how much He wants the habitation, His habitation. I'll see if I can do this with the wrong hand. He loves you. He loves you enough to die on the cross. He loves you enough to make your spirit His habitation. Don't you think He loves you enough to want to change you? He's not just interested in having a habitation in your spirit. He is interested in having a habitation in your soul. He wants all of you, and He's made it possible. And it simply becomes a matter 
of keeping the membrane clean. Keeping the membrane clean by coming and recognizing that he's already paid the price. His blood is enough. Amen. I know this is simple. But for me, it was a picture that was such a release. Because I've known and I've worked in. I've, but it was all of a sudden I could see. I need to see how things work. Is there anybody else here that needs to see how things work? You know, and it was this issue of, I know, I know, I know I've got the fullness, but how can I if I'm in there with him? And realizing that I, could, I didn't got a half the Holy Spirit or a, a weak Holy Spirit. You know, has anyone ever thought that? Oh, I just got a weak Holy Spirit because I can't. No. Oh, well, that's good. The problem with me when I get up here is I end up telling you what's inside of me. And you guys are all so wonderful that you never have any problems. But I'm just, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. He has accepted me, and he's accepted you. He's come to live in you, and he's come to live in me. Just understand, he wants all of you. He's paid for all of you. You know, we bought an airplane ticket. Didn't just let us on the plane, it gave us a seat as well. They didn't say, oh, you've got to go and sit with the baggage. You know what I mean? He wants all of you. Because he loves you. He loves you. Just say that to yourself or to your neighbor. He loves me. He loves you. Just say it because you need to hear it. He loves you. He really, really, really loves you. And he wants the very best, his very best in you. And he's forming in you the mind of Christ. And it's by the flow of the Holy Spirit into your soul and into your mind, He is changing you. Changing you. Listen to this. We have been made righteous in our spirit. Amen? We are being made righteous in our soul. And we will be made righteous in our body on that day of bodily resurrection. Amen? We have been made perfect in our spirit. We are being made perfect in our soul. And we will be made perfect in our body on that day of bodily resurrection. Amen. You're getting a pattern. We have been made holy in our spirit. And we are being made holy in our soul. 
and we will be made holy in our body on that day of bodily resurrection. He is flowing, wanting to change us. We are a work in progress, but we are also a completed work that will be completed. Amen? That's exciting. The question was, are we hampering the flow of the Holy Spirit through our membrane? We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. We need to be cleansed, continually cleansed, to let the Holy Spirit flow into us, changing us from the inside out. I asked how long it took. The answer was instantly. How long did it take you to be saved? When you came to Jesus said, I repent. I give you my life. He didn't say, go through the four-week course and we'll see what you're like at the end of it. He said, you are saved. He said, I breathe on you and you have my Holy Spirit. I brought you to life. Even as he breathed on Adam, he breathed on his disciples and they came to life. They were filled with his Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. And he cleanses our membrane instantly. The moment the Holy Spirit just points and says, you know what you were doing then? That was hampering my flow. We say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And touch it with the blood of Jesus. That angry word that you had because the cereal had run out this morning. Lord, I repent of having anger, not giving someone the cereal before myself. That's a word for someone in here today. <laughs> Probably me. Simple things, complicated things, but it is as simple as coming and cleansing the membrane. I'm hoping that that picture helps you as much as it helps me. It isn't a theology. It is simply a picture that helps me understand how I can have the fullness of the Holy Spirit and yet not always be living to the fullness of it. But you know what? Once I've spent that minute once I spent that time coming to repentance, there is flow through the membrane. And that flow is going to make a difference. Now, one thing about membranes is that you need, you need to have more pressure on the good side than on the bad side. Because if you have too much pressure on the bad side, nothing comes through. 
So not only have we cleansed the membrane, but we need to make sure that we have a pressure differential for the Holy Spirit to flow into our lives. I had done it again. I've got 17 ladies going, what is he talking about? And then I've got the one lady who's an engineer, and she's saying, yes, I understand that. Sorry. That can be stopped from the tape, because otherwise you'd be banned. <laughs> I just want you to know, our job then is to keep the pressure on the soul side of the membrane low. In Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. You could translate that into, I'm standing on the other side of the membrane and I want to come through. Now that verse is so often quoted to non-Christians, it has very, very little to do with somebody coming to Christ as an unbeliever. Though it's a lovely verse to use because it's right in the middle of a passage to the church. He's saying to you and to me, I'm standing at the door knocking and I want to come in. A few years ago, a friend of ours asked me to go with him to see his cousin who had, um, shall we say, what's the right word, a um, hoarder? Anyone ever been to a hoarder's house? This guy had been hoarding all of his mail for the last 40 years. Every piece of junk mail, every newspaper, everything that had come into the house had gone into plastic bags and put into his living room. And when we entered the living room, we couldn't because it was full up to here of white plastic bags. And the door opened and you stood there and you could see that he'd had to throw the next one in. You know, is our life like that, that Jesus is saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. You've opened the door, but there's so much stuff in your living room, I can't come in. Is he standing on one side of that membrane saying, it's clean, I can come in, except there's so much stuff on the inside of your life that there's no room for the Holy Spirit? I love it the way your membrane's clean, but you haven't made room for me. Colossians 3, you are putting the verses up, so I'm going to have to fall for it. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 13. Right. Clothe yourself. You are holy and set apart by God to belong to him as his own child. Clothe yourself with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's telling you to clothe yourself. 
clothe yourself. Whose responsibility is it when you get up in the morning to put some clothes on? I mean, yeah, I have to ask what I should wear, but, uh, but I mean, I, I actually do put the clothes on myself. Most of anyone put the clothes on themselves? Most of you? Amen? Right. We're told to put the clothes on ourselves. When we're clothed in self-importance, when we're clothed with our own way of doing it, when we're clothed with our own opinion, what we're doing is making the pressure on, the, on our side of the membrane so high that we are stopping the Holy Spirit coming in and changing us. But I thought, I thought we didn't have any work to do. I thought it was all without work. You know, what's the work we have to do? Only believe. Amen? But believing isn't up here. Believing is that we are doing His work, that we are living His life. So He said there, Clothe yourself with compassion. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 32, I have compassion on these, these people. They're in need and they might faint. Jesus was looking at a crowd significantly bigger than you with no food. And his heart went out to them. And saying, I have compassion. They might faint. Are we looking at people and saying, these people need our help? Or are we saying, I'm glad I'm better than them? Jesus was clothed with compassion. If we are looking to see the flow of the Holy Spirit into our lives, let us clothe ourselves with compassion. And you know what? That brings the pressure down and the flow increases. Do you want to do that? Pressure down, flow increases. Let's try. Pressure down. Go on. Pressure down, flow increases. Pressure down. Flow increases. Amen. You know, don't do that on the way home. Not if you're driving, that's right. Jesus demonstrated his kindness by saying, Come to me and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, Come to me and I will give you safety. I will give you protection. I will give you what you need for life. What do we do? Our job is to believe that He is going to use us to offer that kindness, that love to people who need it. Because as we clothe ourselves with His kindness, the pressure drops and the Holy Spirit flows.
Amen? He's doing that in you today. He's changing you, giving you the opportunity to show His kindness to those who need it. Isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't say, all right, um, I know you, you've, you've done this, this, and this, therefore you're not in good enough for me to show you the kindness of going to the cross for you. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? He said, I know what you like. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. But you know what? Come to me, and I'll give you rest. He said that to me. Did he say that to you? Do you remember where you were when he, you first met him? Do you remember the bars? Do you remember the stuff? And he didn't say, oh, you know, you don't qualify. He said, come to me and I'll give you rest. If we want the pressure to drop and the flow to increase... Let's be ready to show the same kindness to those who need it as he showed to me and to you. Are you ready to do that? Jesus actually humbled himself. You find that in Philippians 2. He humbled himself. He made himself as nothing so he could lift other people up. Oh, I could never do that. I mean, I might get dirty hands or something. No. If we humble ourselves to serve others, we reduce the pressure. And praise God, we benefit. The flow increases. Who wants the flow to increase? 17, we're getting there. Who wants the flow to increase? Praise God, 38. Amen. You have to cook up here to count. We need to put other people first. Because he put us first. Amen. Clothing ourselves with compassion. Clothing ourselves with kindness, humbling ourselves. And Jesus demonstrated perfect patience by choosing mercy to those who least deserve it, like you and me. 1 Timothy 1.16. We need to demonstrate mercy to those who don't deserve it. I don't know how much we think about mercy, but mercy, you can only have and be merciful if you have the power to judge someone. You can't be merciful if the person has more power than you. Oh, I'd let you off that. Well, you know, you're seven foot tall and I'm not going to fight, you know. But this person has done something to you and you had the power to really crush them. But you say... Jesus had mercy on me. 
He could have crushed me, but he died for me. Amen? The pressure comes down as we act in the nature of Christ. As we choose to act. We've got the membrane clear by repenting, but as we choose to act like Him, the flow of the Holy Spirit comes. Now, the neatest thing of all is that the moment we choose to act in kindness, we end it's our availability, but it's His ability. Have you got it? Because I can't love people the way that He loves them, but the moment I determine to, the Holy Spirit flows in and does it for me. Amen? I have a friend who, years ago, had no interest in working with children, but found himself the only person who was there to do it. He said, I've got no gifting whatsoever. But the moment he stepped into it, the Holy Spirit just took him and anointed him, and he became one of the most incredible workers with children I've ever seen. It wasn't because he was gifted naturally, but because of his availability. Because availability brings down the pressure, and the flow comes in everything, in absolutely everything. Paul said that I travail in birth until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19. Amen. I walked into this place and people were saying, we have been travailing for you, for the word that you're bringing today. I thought somebody else said, we're praying constantly for you as a church. You know, one of the things that brings the pressure down and the flow of the Holy Spirit is when we are praying and holding others up. Because we don't have the strength in ourselves, but the moment we humble ourselves, in comes the flow and does the work. I just really sense the Lord is doing a fresh work here. It's not just a name change that you've gone through. It's a whole tidal wave of change. It's a time of stepping out in a way that you've never, ever been able to do before. And as you, each one of you, clothe yourself with Christ, this day there is going to be a pouring out of the Holy Spirit. As you put His character and His nature on, He will do the changing. He will be coming. He's desperate. You know, what does it gain, Jesus? He brought our spirit man to life and filled it. He's not content with that. He came to save your soul. 
He has come to see you transformed from one degree of glory to another. The moment anyone says, well, I'm saved, I've got the Holy Spirit living me, I can do what I want, or even that, I just need to stay here and he'll take me away one day. No. His purpose and plan is for the Holy Spirit to pour through that membrane into every part of your life, into your will, into your heart, into your mind, to see you transformed so that when people look at you, they see Jesus. And when they look at the church, they say, wow, that is Jesus walking amongst us. Walking in compassion. Walking in kindness. Walking in humility. Walking in perfect patience. How do we get there? We first of all recognize that we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit living in us. Not just a part. And we recognize that, that if you use the picture of the membrane, I'm keeping it clean so the Holy Spirit can flow into my life. And I'm keeping the pressure down by deliberately walking in His righteousness so the flow of the Holy Spirit can come in. His ability meets my availability. I just really believe the Lord wants to bless this place and this house to such a level because there's been a stepping out and saying, we are going to touch the world. We're going to touch them with compassion. We're going to touch them with kindness. We're going to touch them with patience. We're going to touch them by humbling ourselves and not going in as great white knights. And when you do, there's going to be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that lives will be transformed. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God is wanting to do amongst you? Is there a yes amongst you? I mean, just... It's not a rhetorical question. It's, are you ready? Because this is going to be the most exciting times of your lives. It's going to be exciting. I've been on the streets praying for people to get healed. It's exciting. Seeing them healed and walking away. I've been on the streets talking to people and seeing them committing their lives to God. In the but you know, this year for us, triggered so much by what we saw two years ago when we came, when it was being birthed in this place. This has been the most exciting time of seeing God doing things in our lives. Amen?
this is your opportunity afresh. This is a time. Amen. Brother Matt, you better come and take this thing off me, otherwise I'll go on for hours. And the clock's been on zero for the last 20 minutes. <laughs>